Well, last week we looked at overcoming the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Jesus' blood is speaking, and it speaks about you, and it speaks about me, and we want to speak what the blood speaks about us, what the covenant in his blood uh, has guaranteed, has secured, has sealed for you and I. Today I want to talk to you about possessing the promises of God, stepping on the battlefield of possessions. But this, uh, just as we re- kind of lean in this week, but from last week, look at this scripture from 2 Corinthians. And this is really what we did using the Old Testament example of David last week. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So our warfare is not against people. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. I'm so glad as we step on the battlefield, the battle's been won. We have the divine power that God gives us. It's not your power or mine. It's Jesus standing behind us on that battlefield. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's an interesting word. And then it, uh, this word strongholds, which is often really misunderstood what this is. And then, because Paul just goes on to define it, he said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And that phrase is simply what Goliath was doing on the battlefield as he brought reproach, shame, as he brought blame and accusation. And I talked to you about the invisible walls that Israel was imprisoned in, the walls of Goliath's voice of lies, and many of us live in prisons that we do not have to remain in, but they are prisons of our thoughts. And they could be from our upbringing, somebody pronouncing over you from a very young age, you'll never amount to much, you're never gonna be very much, Uh, you're not gonna be successful, you're just a bother, Uh, you're just a trouble maker. Uh, You're just whatever that the enemy has pronounced over you, and we begin to live inside the confines of our own thoughts. But we're reading here this morning that we have the divine power to demolish the walls of thoughts. Anything that argues, anything that sets itself up like Goliath did against the knowledge of God, what God knows about you to be true, what God knows about me to be true, very, very different than what we think or we see about ourselves. And we take captive every thought and we bring it into obedience to Christ. Thought, you must obey what Jesus says about me and not what that coach said about me, not what my ex said about me, not what others have said about me, not what I've said about myself, but I'm bringing my life into agreement of what God says about me, what the word of God says about me. And so we're destroying the invisible walls that's, an on, that's not a once and done if you've been here uh, any length of time or you've been serving Jesus any length of time. The reason I'm spending time talking to you about stepping onto the battlefield because this is something that we uh, are ongoing in, adjusting our thoughts, adjusting how we think, what we say in accordance to what Jesus' blood says about us. When I say that, we looked at a scripture last week that Jesus' blood speaks speaks powerful things because of what he secured on the cross. And, uh, and so if you want to know more about that, you can get last week's podcast and invite you to listen to that. Let's just pray one more time. Father, I thank you 
that today there are those that are going to learn how to step onto the battlefield of possessing uh, what you have for them. Lord, I pray there would be a new sense of going after it in this house, going after it, Father, what's ours in your name, Lord, that we would not be settled until we have what you paid for. Today, I pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, when we were in worship, I felt like there was somebody experiencing wrist pain today, pain in a wrist. I don't know if you're online or in the room, and I just believe God wants to heal that. And so right now, if that's you, just move your wrist around and see if it isn't pain-free. Um, and if that's someone here in the room or online, we would appreciate to know that God is healing today. And uh, you can drop it into the chat box or you can let somebody know in a green shirt, hey, oh my goodness, that was me and I don't have any more pain. We believe that's what God does. And you could just have that today as we're talking about possessing. Uh, possession is the state of having, owning, or controlling something. The state of having, owning, or controlling something. I want to talk to you about our possessions that God has given us. And in order to kind of really understand what I'm talking about, I want to go back to David again, as we've spent three weeks looking at David and his battle with Goliath. But there was a pre-battle that he fought with a lion and a bear. And it's in those battles that he really learned how to step onto the battlefield. And so we're going to look at that today and understand our possessions. Say possessions. You're going to find out like Scotiabank, you're richer than you think, uh, that you have so much more that God has provided that's not in your possession today, but God wants to place into your possessions. Let's just talk about this. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. He was a shepherd. He was out in the pasture lands. He would keep sheep. And that word to keep the sheep means he would care for them, make sure they were watered, make sure there was enough grass for them to graze in. And also it meant that he would protect them. Say protect them. Keeping the sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, this uncircumcised Philistine. And remember, that phrase is important. The voice from outside the covenant will be like one of them because he has defied. He has uh, uh, accused. He has brought reproach on the people of God. So David is keeping his father's sheep. And I want you to think about this as he's a shepherd boy and his first task in the family business was to learn how to take care of his inheritance, his inheritance. You see, it says it's his father's sheep, but literally those are David's sheep in the future. In another day, David would completely own what his father had, and his father is teaching him to care for, and those sheep would become David's. In fact, really what's happening is David learning to take care of today's sheep guarantees him a tomorrow, a next week, and a next month in his relationship with his father as he secures and becomes a personal recipient of his own flock, of his own sheep. If he doesn't keep the sheep and learn to care for them, learn to guard them, learn to treat them as his own, because they really were, 
then he wouldn't have a flock in another day. And so he's learning because he's a part of a family. He's a part of a family business. He's learning to keep the sheep. And I want you to, I want to learn, uh, use this analogy today to help you understand what is ours in the covenant that we talked about last week, the covenant of Jesus' blood, the promises of God that are secured. They're yes and amen, the Bible says, which means they are, they're ours to have as you would take care of them because they've been put into your possession to make sure that they are yours and that you hold on to them and you don't allow the uh, enemy, the lion or the bear, to take away from you, or perhaps you've never had in your possession yet what God has for you to take care of, what God has as your inheritance as a family member of God being your father. Now, I believe that we're to learn how to do this uh, month to month and, and week to week and, and year to year. And those of you that have been serving the Lord for some time, have learned that you take ground, you take territory, uh, what once was the enemy's territory. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against us and that we actually push back in our families, push back in our job places, push back in this region, push back in every sphere that God has given you, the work of the enemy, we push it back in the power that God has given us because he's promised us life and life to the full. And so we're not on a month-to-month lease with eternal life. This is eternal. And we need to learn to widen our sphere and widen what's ours. And God has placed that power in us because he wants to show the enemy how weak and how prideful he is. He wants to use his children, his people, to push the gates back. Are you tracking with me? So the task that God has given us is to get onto the battlefield to take what is ours today and not settle for anything less. Remembering the sheep are already ours. This is all ours, but we're seeing we've got to get busy and we're going to use the word appropriate, kind of a Bible word, appropriate. Take what's already mine. Take what's already mine. But there's a reaching out and receiving aspect to this. Says this in 2 Peter, his divine power, Remember, we talked about that divine power that demolishes the strongholds. His divine power has given us everything we need. Somebody say everything loudly. Thank you. Everything we need for a godly life. And a godly life is one that we experience the power of God. That last session that we did and fresh, the fresh wind, the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we need for that. Through our knowledge of him. So not our knowledge of ourself, not our knowledge of our shortcomings, not the knowledge that the enemy speaks over us. No, the knowledge of him. And that's why at, at Harvest it's so important. We say, we say this, we want you to know God and know him better every day. Knowledge of him. This isn't textbook knowledge. This is experiential knowledge. God's speaking to you as you get up in your prayer time of how he feels about you, how much he loves you, who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his divine power, his glory, and his goodness, through these he has given us very great and precious promises. He's given them. Say given. 
They're already given, past tense. He has given us great and precious promises so that through them, those promises, you may participate in the divine nature. You can become like God. He's transforming us from the inside out, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. And so where the enemy has wrecked havoc generationally in our families, in our region, God wants to use his church, churches made up of individuals, you and I, to push back the work of the enemy and everything, every promise already given to us. If you would be honest, and I would be honest today, as we talk about the promises of God, we would acknowledge a gap. There is a huge gap between the extent of the promises and what I possess. So today, if, uh, for example, uh, there's, there's sickness in your body, we believe that the promise of God is divine healing. There's healing that God gives us. And so if there's a gap in your health, a gap in your finances, a gap in your relationships between the promises and what you possess, we want to talk about closing the gap today. And God wants you to step onto the battlefield of your possessions. Let's go to the Old Testament for a moment. Again, understand a story to help us understand what we're talking about. In the Old Testament, God had promised a geographical land to Israel, the promised land. And they were going to live in a geographical area, and it was a land of abundance, a land, uh, it was called a land flowing with milk and honey. There was so much prosperity in this land that God was putting his people He said, but you have to possess the land. There were enemies occupying that land, and they had to push the enemies out of their land. And to uh, the book of Joshua is that story. And it begins right in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. God says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given it to you. I have given it to you. Past tense. It's already yours, but you've got to listen now. You've got to get this. But you've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. You've got to participate. You've got to get in this game. You've got to get a part of this battlefield. It's yours, but you need to go after it. You need to take what's already yours. At the end of the book, Joshua, a little disappointed that they didn't occupy all, say all, that God had promised. They had occupied some but not all. And so Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land? In other words, what are you waiting for? Take it all, uh, the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given, past tense, to you. So this word appropriate. We read about the divine promises, so precious, so powerful, and that they're ours, but they're not elusive today. There is a gap, but it's not elusive. What we want to do, like everything else in our spiritual walk, we have to take it. The word receive in the New Testament is actually God reaching his hand out saying, this is yours, but you having to make the decision of saying, yes, it is. We started that way in salvation. Today we'll uh, ask if there's anyone in this room, we do it every week, who hasn't taken the gift of eternal life to be yours. You see, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish. That word is have uh, eternal destruction, you know, forever and ever destruction, but would have ever 
lasting life. That begins the moment you say, that's for me because God provided it, and you receive it as your own. But not everybody in the world is going to know salvation and eternal life because not everybody in the world chooses to make it their personal gift from God. God offers it. You have to receive it. Say receive. Receive is an active word in the New Testament. So David is keeping the sheep that his father provided him. And I want you to picture David after a long day of keeping the sheep, settles down by the fire, is warming him just before he's going to fall asleep for the night. He's brought the sheep in and gathered them all in tight uh, in a nice safe spot, maybe in a box caverns, um, um, that place in the rocks where the cowboys used to go, and my mind just went blank, and uh, canyon, canyon. And uh, he's settling down, and uh, sheepy, 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 and he's kind of looking, and there's peace. That's one of my sheep, peace. Oh, there's joy. Oh, I'm so glad you're here today. Joy was a great day. Financial provision. Thank you for multiplying Mrs. Sheep and having twins. That was amazing. That's just, that's just adding, just adding to our financial provision. The health, high health. So nice, sheepy, sheepy health. I just, I'm just glad that God has been healing. And family, family sheep. I'm just praying for the family. And there's my family sheep and my marriage sheep over there and my, my promotion sheep. Do you, do you understand? Do you understand the analogy? And so he's nodding off. And uh, just before he kind of nods off, his fire reflects a set of eyes in the bushes. And he can see the reflection of his fire and two eyes that are looking at his sheep. And he realizes in that moment as he just kind of bolts awake that it's the eyes of a lion. A lion that uh, jumps in and grabs one of his little lambs that's sleeping beside mama's sheep. And those eyes now, he realizes, aren't just eyes, but a full-size lion and makes off with joy. There it goes. Bye, joy. See you later. And David has a decision to make at that moment. He can decide, oh, you know, I got a lot of sheep. And uh, what's one sheep? What's one little sheep there that the enemy manages to take away? But by joy, maybe we'll catch up in a month or two. We'll have a service and I'll sense joy again. Remember, we're not on a month to month. Come on, we are learning to possess. We're not renters of the promised land. We are living in the promised land. Joy is yours. The promises are yours. He's sitting by that fire, and there's a holy anger that rises up in him. He says, those are my father's sheep. That's joy that was given to me by my father. I'm not settling for the enemy taking joy. And the Bible says, when a lion or a bear came, he says to Saul, I, and it carried off my joy, carried off my healing, carried off whatever. I went after it. Come on, somebody. We read in 1 Samuel, I went after it. I went after it. There it is. I went after it. Say it with me. I went after it. He's promised to you today. There are promises about your marriage. Are you going to go after it? He's promised you about your kids and their destinies. Come on, some of our children aren't are doing what God destined them to do. They've chosen another way. But did you know, those are your sheep. Those are your lambs. You have a promise about your legacy. You can begin to go after their destiny. You can go after your health. You can go after your job. 
You can go after the ministry that God has given you. Maybe you've never seen someone's life change because of how you contribute in the kingdom. And God is saying, hey, I want to use you to make everlasting change in somebody else's life. Go after it. He has given us everything, everything that we need to live this spiritual life. But there are gaps. First thing I want you to realize today that you're going to go after it. And I want you, I want you to have an attitude today. Just have an attitude. I'm going after it. I'm going after what's mine. And identify, identify the gap. This week, I want you to write it down. Whatever it might be. For some of you, maybe come up with one or two. For some of you, if you can fill pages, then fill pages of the gap of what you've decided I'm going after. I'm going after my health. You mean I can, I can, I can be a part of this? Yes. You can go after the gap that you see between the promises and your experience. If he's given you everything and you don't have everything, he wants there to be a go after it that rises up in your spirit. Begin by writing those things down this week. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it. I struck it. You have to be prepared to begin striking the enemy that's carried away your promises. We're going to assume today that David struck the lion and the bear the same way he struck Goliath. Because he said to Saul, hey, I know how to take care of this. I have a slingshot. I've got stones. This is what I did in the shepherd's field. And now I'm going to do it with Goliath. And so he based how he was going to overcome Goliath, which we know we read about. And David kind of shows us how he defeated uh, Goliath. So we're going to assume that he defeated the lion and the bear exactly the same way. Here's how he did it. First Samuel 17, 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five stones from the stream and he put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. First, he took his staff in his hand. Hey, you might be here today and you might say, I don't have any sheep. <laughs> My gap is big. I don't think I possess anything that the Lord has promised me. Hey, if you've received Jesus into your heart, you've already received everything. And so you've got everything, but good for you to acknowledge that maybe you don't have the experience of any sheep yet. But what you do have is you are a keeper of those promises. And David's weapon, the first weapon he took hold of is the one his father would have given him as soon as he assigned him out to the field. And that was his shepherd's staff. That shepherd's staff marked him as a shepherd, marked him as a keeper of the sheep. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we have everything the Bible says. Say everything with me again. You've got your shepherd's staff. You need to carry the, what you've written down. You see, your list, your list that you're going to write down this week, that's your shepherd's staff. That's the constant reminder. I'm going to keep the sheep. I'm going to get my sheep. I'm not just going to keep them and watch them get carried away. I'm going after it, and I'm going to begin to build a flock of the promises that God has given me, that my father has given me. He began with the shepherd's staff. Goliath said, you come with me with a stick? Hey, big guy, this ain't no stick. <laughs> this is my shepherd's 
staff. This is what marks me and sets me aside. I'm a child of my father. I belong to the family business. Come on, somebody, today, you need to be reminded of the covenant. That's why I did that last week. I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I am my father's son. I am my father's daughter. And I I may not have any sheep yet, but I am marked. I have my list. I know what I'm going after. Second of all, as he went with his shepherd's staff, he went down to the stream and he got five stones. You only need one, but he was prepared with five. You only need one. The stones, the, the, the stone, the foundation, the rock of God's word. And he went to a stream where the water was running. The next thing I want you to do this week and the weeks to come is you choose Choose to get on the battlefield of your possessions. Begin to arm yourself. Put to memory in your shepherd's bag. The Bible says that when he went after Goliath, he put his hand in the bag. He, he didn't have to look. He didn't have to turn the pages. He didn't have to glance down and go, that's in chapter 6, verse 2. And there. By then, Goliath is a, no, he had committed it to memory. In the Psalms, when David penned that great middle of your Bible, the same David that killed Goliath, he said, thy word have I put in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you, but I would learn to live under the life of God. I want you to find five scriptures, and if you need help with that, find someone uh, either in a green shirt here today if you're new or someone that maybe that you've already been connected with and say, hey, would you help me find some stones? Would you find, help me find some scriptures that have worked for you, that, 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 that you've been able to put in your heart? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know when fear starts to come and it always gets a grip on you, but now you go down to the stream and you get the rock, that scripture that says that, that no weapon formed against me can prosper. And you take that rock, it's in the living water, it's running in the water, and you write that scripture down, and each morning as you get up, or whatever time you go into, into Jesus' presence, the running water, say, Jesus, I'm learning a new verse that says that no weapon formed against me would prosper. Would you help me really understand that today? You just kind of close your eyes, and maybe you have some worship music on, but all of a sudden, a revelation, an understanding, an illumination of what that verse really means. See, it's been in the water. That rock's been in the water, and now it goes in your ship, and you memorize that verse. And when fear tries to jump up and take your peace, to take your confidence, you can go, no weapon formed against me can prosper. And you have a confidence in God. You just stepped onto the battlefield and went and got your lamb. David was prepared with five. Try to find five verses. We'll help you do that if you need some help. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine. Slinging these verses is simply in prayer. We don't pray to the devil. He's not listening to you anyway. But we pray to God, acknowledging, thank you, Lord, that I'm under your promise today. Thank you, Lord, that there's no weapon that's formed against me that can prosper. And as in prayer, we release, we release that, uh, those prayers out of our mouth. It changes the atmosphere in which we're living. It drives fear out. It drives all of these things out and pushes back and sustains our boundary lines. And in God, we begin to understand, I'm stepping on to the battlefield. I'm praying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Sometimes you need to hear yourself pray, and something will just rise up in your heart and go, I think I believe that. No, I know I believe that. When the lion or the bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its what? Paw? 
No, from its mouth. When I was a kid, we had this, uh, we, we had this big uh, tabby cat, and uh, it, was, it, was in, it lived in and out of the house, but it was more of an outside cat than an inside cat. And we had a budgie bird that uh, lived in a cage, and uh, this cat and this budgie bird had an ongoing Sylvester Tweedy relationship. And we don't know how, how the cat would do it. Uh, cat's name was Tiger. And Tiger would climb up and figure out how to get into that. And you would hear the budgie bird start screaming. And then you would hear my dad go, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it. <laughs> so he's smacking the cat in the back of the head. And blah. the cat would spit the bird out. And the bird would fly around, get back into his cage, and close the door, and figure it out again. <laughs> you see, in the mouth of the cat, the budgie bird was still okay. It's not until, you know, he gets his paw out and he begins to whack on that bird and break its neck. The enemy's mouth, the enemy's mouth. That's what this is about today, is understanding you are rescuing what's yours from the enemy's mouth. And he's, you, you, you gotta stop letting the enemy trash talk over you. We let him come in like Goliath did and take his stand and shame us and accuse us and trash talk us. And then we start living in those walls of smallness. No, I want you to get on the battlefield. Joy's mine. How do I get my joy back right down? Today, this week, I'm going after joy. I don't know. And maybe you discover when joy left. But you begin to say, I'm going after it. And I'm going to rescue it from the mouth of the liar. And I'm getting back what's mine. It's not gone. It's not gone. Some of you need to know that. Some of you said, but my health is gone. You don't understand. It got carried away. No, you don't understand. The lion and the bear can't eat what's yours. He can only give you the impression that he's going to eat it. He slurped off in the darkness, and if you'll let him go, you'll never get it back. But it's never too late to get on after it and go get what's yours in the name of Jesus today. Well, you get back what's yours, and this is another whole sermon, but I'll just give you this thought before we're going to change the flow here. When it turned on me, the lion and the bear turned on me, and some of you have experienced this, where you feel like you've done the warfare, you've stepped on the battlefield, and you've even rescued, you've had a sense of healing or sense of your joy, or things have turned around only for that very same thing to kind of take the lamb again, just maybe a month later, or a day later, or an hour later, whatever the case might be. And that's not unusual, because David experienced the lion turned on him. And it says this, he says, I seized it by the hair. Lions have beards. Get a hold of that lion and grab a hold of that beard and pull it down and get eyeball to eyeball that lion. Snarling at you. Whew, you got bad breath, Mr. Lion. And it's just the point, very practical principle that I want to give you. If there are cycles in your life where you seem like you're fighting the loss of the same lamb or the, you know, let's say you're trying to overcome the lion of fear and fear just continues to get a grip in your life. This last, and, and, and maybe another day we'll come back to this one. It's a, it's a great principle in and of itself. But you may need to get a close-up, eyeball-to-eyeball look at why that lion keeps coming back in. You might have to get a good look at an area of your life that the Holy Spirit will begin. And you can do this. You don't have to wait for the sermon. That's why I'm giving you the principle. You can be in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, why? Why does fear 
Why does fear continually seem to have a place in my life? As you wait on the Lord, he might reveal to you a time in your life when you were so afraid, when someone should have been there for you, but they weren't, when someone should have protected you, but they didn't, when something horrible happened to you and you thought nobody was looking or no one saw the injustice, but God was there. And today he's embracing you saying, you and me, kid, we got this. And I'm going to break the trauma of that event. We're going after that lion, but I need you to grab a hold of it and get a good look because we're about to kill it. We're about to disconnect its power. We're about to say goodbye, lion, once and for all because I'm going to heal that area of your life that still comes under the trauma of an event that happened so many years ago. We believe at Harvest you can find freedom from yesterday because the Holy Spirit comes in a very powerful way and takes the power away from the lion and the bear. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread on, I've given you. But how long will you wait before you possess what's yours? Would you stand with me this morning? That's our challenge today. I believe that God is about to raise some overcomers in this house. I believe that God's got some people that are saying, I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm going to be one of those, I'm going to be one of those spirit-filled Christians that says, I'm going after what's mine. If you're here today, just before we're going to worship and conclude our service, but if you're here today and you've never taken the greatest provision of all time, that provision that we read about of his divine power that gives you everything you need in this life and then some for eternal life and the life to come, but you've never taken what Jesus did on the cross as your own. Oh, you know about Christmas and you know about Easter, but you've never experienced Easter. That's what water baptism is. People that get water baptized are saying, I've experienced Easter and I want everybody to know about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus because my sins are, are, are in that water, in his grave, and I'm coming up in newness of life and I never knew that I could have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today and you'd like to receive the gift, in fact, reach out and take the gift of eternal life. I'd like, I'd like to pray with you today to receive that. What we do is I count down from five and I go five, four, three, two, and one. When I get to one, just simply ask you to put your hand up. And I know it takes a lot of courage to do this, but we believe this is something just, it's like reaching out and going, yeah, that's mine. I'm, I'm receiving eternal life today. If that's you today to, re, to lift your hand when I say five, we'll hoot and holler and we'll be so excited for you, but then we're gonna lead you in a prayer all together to receive what God has given you in Jesus. In five, in four, in three, in two, and in one. Would you just raise your hand today if that's you in this room? Anywhere in this room, I wanna see your hand. Is there anyone today? Thank you, sir, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> anyone else today? All right, we're gonna pray. We are so excited at Harvest when someone makes that decision. Sir, I'd like you to pray this prayer with us today. Let's all pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me the way I am. I don't want to live life on my own any longer. I want to live it with you. Come in my life. Forgive my sin. I receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Believe if you prayed that prayer, you've received Jesus. Come on, let's worship the Lord today.
and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. to Jesus today. We want to celebrate with you because it is the best decision ever, but we would like to know. Yeah. So please write it in the comments that you made the best decision ever and somebody will do a follow-up with you so that we can just help you in the next step of this incredible journey. You will not regret it. It is really the best decision ever and life is better together, Yeah. right? So let's just partner up and do this journey with you. Yeah, for sure. So on that note, this has been an incredible day, an incredible service. We hope it blessed you. It definitely blessed us. And no matter what you are doing this week, wherever you're going, know that the Holy Spirit is with you. Yeah. We are with you. We are praying for you. And we love you. Have yourself a wonderful week. Goodbye. And we are Welcome so, yeah, to church. Yeah.